0: Now the Senate just passed an inflation reduction act, which is supposed to be, which is supposed to help mitigate and minimize the impact of inflation, which has been and which has been rising. The, the prices have been rising, and of course that is correlated with the inflation in terms of energy prices and the oil prices. Stemming, of course, from what's going on with, in, with the war with Russia and many many other things, and first and economic outlook. But many economists are saying, since last year October and even before that, even now, economists are predicting that the the economy is not, uh, the economists are predicting the economy is not growing. But the Senate just passed uh, an inflation reduction act, and it is supposed to minimize the impact of rising costs but a rising prices which we know what's going on right now there's fallen median income and rising poverty while at the same time just recently the job, a job report just came out which shows that the economy grew by grew in terms of jobs <laughs> But what we're not seeing is the, the corresponding rise in salaries, the rise in wages. We're not seeing that at all. So jobs, so jobs have, you're creating more jobs, but the jobs that have been created aren't responding to the economic challenges of the day. People are not making money and people are still leaving jobs, looking for flexibility and looking for jobs that can pay them. U.S. employers employers added 528,000 jobs last month. 528,000 jobs last month and um, the unemployment rate dropped to 3.5 percent last month just so you know and there is um but however the labor mo- the labor the labor force participation rate or the share of adults working or seeking a job ticked down to 62.1 percent in july from 62 percent a month earlier okay while the economy has recovered all the job it lost since february 2020 there are still youth. 623,000 fewer people in the workforce. A factor that has pushed up wages. So that's what has pushed up wages due to a demand for workers that is well above the the number of available workers. And that's according also, that's according to a report in the Wall Street Journal um, uh, dated August 5th, 2022, written by Gabriel T. Rubin. Now, so so. Wages went um, ticked up a little bit, zero point five percent, but inflation at one point was at nine percent. So, so when we so we have to think about it in those real senses. So, in a sense, wages has not increased in any substantial, in any substantial and real way. Wages have not kept up with inflation, and so it's. It's not necessarily, and the economy continues to slow down, and continues to slow. So we are still in a very precarious position. A, a very precarious position. Which one, and, and many persons, and the part, part of the problem is people are looking, people are looking for jobs, but they are looking for a certain type of jobs. And some of those jobs are not available. And what's happened is that employers have to be more flexible. And where there is inflexibility, people are... If you look at the number of people who are are changing jobs, that's also at a very high rate. And people aren't really necessarily looking for jobs rather than looking for a particular type of job. continuing on this new bill that was passed by the senate which and just so you know the if the, it, it in I actually got an email from desert from Randy Desert from the Desert Tax Services and he said hey that's that's right there's a new bill that's been passed in the senate the inflation reduction act of 2022 aims to target deficit reduction in order to fight soaring inflation invest in domestic energy, production and manufacturing, and reduce carbon emissions. Now here are a few of the items in the Inflation Reduction Act. One aims to lower energy costs, increase cleaner production and reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by 2030. Two, it lowers the ACA for the Affordable Care Act health care premiums for millions of Americans while extending the expanded ACA coverage through 2025. It introduces a 15% corporate minimum tax and closes the carried interest loophole with the stated intent to make the biggest corporations and the ultra wealthy pay their fair share. Four, funds, it funds greater enforcement of the tax code by providing the IRS with $124 billion for enforcement. And fa- fifthly, it allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices and caps out-of-pocket costs to $2,000. Sixth, there's no new taxes on families making 400000 or less. And no new taxes on small businesses. In fact, we can go, if you go deeper, actually, you know, actually, I had, I responded, I responded to this particular to this particular um, news or this new this act that with this this act that the Senate or bill that the Senate passed. And I and I said that how does this reduce inflation when you increase corporate tax by fifteen percent and close loopholes and then give the IRS one hundred and twenty four billion dollars when needy families could have gotten that money. Further, this will ultimately create a 15% increase in costs because the rich and corporations will pass this tax onto the consumers. Those making $400,000 or less. Now, this is an important point because while this particular bill is well-intentioned, it's well-intentioned, and actually, if I I can actually look at, I'm looking, I'm looking at some more, um, some more details about this particular bill. It says that um it says that uh according to the bill. Here's what's in the bill. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of it for you. It says Medicare drug price negotiation. The bill would empower Medicare to negotiate prices of certain costly medications administered in doctors' offices or purchased at the pharmacy. The Health and Human Services Secretary would negotiate the prices of ten drugs in twenty twenty six And another 15 drugs in 2027 and again in 2028 the number would rise to 20 drugs a year for 2029 and beyond and of course um, there's also an inflation cap an inflation cap the legislation would also impose penalties on drug companies if they increase their prices faster than inflation however the parliamentarian ruled that the provision could only apply to Medicare not the private insurance markets as well as the Democrats had wanted. There's also a limit on Medicare out-of-pocket drug costs, which we alluded to recently, where it says that um, the bill would redesign Medicare's Part D drug plans so that seniors and people with disabilities would pay more than $2,000 a year. Wouldn't, I apologize, and that is for why the pause, they wouldn't pay more than $2,000 a year for medications bought at the pharmacy Insurers and drug makers would have to pick up more of the tab. Um, no, that's no, that's going to be a problem here, but let's continue. There's also free vaccines for seniors, there's also um, Affordable Care Act subsidies. Um, which it says that Democrats are also looking at extending the enhanced federal premium subsidies for Obamacare coverage through 2025, a year later than lawmakers recently discussed. Um the subsidies were expanded through a year as part of Democrats' $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, known as the American Rescue Plan, which was enacted in March 2021. They have made healthcare coverage on the Obamacare exchanges more affordable, leading to record enrollment this year. Enrollees pay more, no more than 8.5% of their income toward coverage, down from nearly 10%, and lower-income policyholders receive subsidies that eliminate their premiums completely. Also, those earning more than 400% of the federal poverty line or poverty level have become eligible for help for the first time. If the enhanced federal assistance is allowed to expire at the end of the year, nearly all of the 13 million subsidized enrollees will see their premiums rise for 2023. That's according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. More than 3 million people could become uninsured, an urban institute analysis found the Democrats are hoping to avoid the negative publicity of such premium increases. If Congress doesn't act, consumers would learn in the fall just how much money they could have to pay. And open enrollment begins on November 1, a week ahead of Election Day. Now there's also in the bill cheaper insulin and Democrats added a provision to the bill that would cap what Americans pay for insulin at $35 a month in Medicare and the private insurance market. There's also provisions for climate, for climate change or climate provisions. The deal would be the biggest climate investment in the U.S. history. It would slash U.S. greenhouse gas emissions 40% by 2030. That's according to Majority Leader Schumers, Chuck Schumer. Um, There is also the uh, um, there's also tax credit, um, the tax credit for technologies, uh, for technology neutral. Uh, okay, sorry, I apologize about that. let me let me just go back to the bill here. this in term as it relates to climate provision, what what is a what is in this particular section of the bill? They're extending tax credits for electric vehicles made it um, that for electric vehicles. Um, and the tax credit would continue at their current level up to four thousand for a used electric vehicle and seven thousand five hundred for a new one. However, the income threshold for eligibility would be lowered. Now, we know that most of the people who are buying electric vehicles aren't needy people. Most of the needy people aren't buying the electric vehicles. They're still very expensive to acquire. And most of them are buying used second-hand cars. So, so that's one of the consideration here the bill also contains a 10-year consumer tax credit to bring down the cost of heat pumps rooftop solar electric hvac and water heaters uh the bill there's also a tax provision a tax provision now to boost revenue now you talk about where who is paying for all of this the tax provision to boost revenue the bill would impose a 15 percent minimum tax on the income on the income of large corporations or on the income large corporations report to shareholders known as book income. Now that's gonna be an issue, but they said that the measure would would raise 258 billion over a decade. So that's why they're saying that they're talking about debt deficit reduction, thinking that the tax provision within this particular bill would pay for this bill, would pay for this um, inflation reduction and the the provisions in it to to help minimize inflation. And to provide more provisions and so on and credits, but the problem uh, and the thing is, and they're saying that people who earn less than four hundred thousand dollars wouldn't pay wouldn't pay any wouldn't see any increases in, in their taxes, but the problem is, as I said earlier, that this, this this I asked the question, how does this particular bill, how does it reduce inflation? It, it does not, because if you you cannot have a bill that that penalizes or that forces one sector of society to pay more as we deal with inflation, so as to minimize and to mitigate the other people in society. Because at the end of the day, what the rich and the wealthy corporations who will now have to pay 15% more, what they will do is that they will pass this on to the consumers, which is, which is the modus operandi of our, society, of our capitalist society. Wealthy people do not like to pay money. Okay, and they try everything possible to minimize their expenses. But, so what will happen is that you will, you, as you try to deal with the issue of inflation, inflation will continue to be a problem. Once you impose more taxes on corporations they are going to that means consumers will now have to pay more for goods so let's say fifteen percent more over time over ten over a ten year period you'll find a fifteen percent increase in, 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 in goods and services so so that rich people and wealthy corporations will now pay this fifteen percent but they will get this fifteen per cent from taxing Through price increases, consumers who earn $400,000 or less to pay for this 15% so that those who earn $400,000 or less will now have to, will also pay less taxes so that you will find an increase in the deficit. It this particular bill will create, it will create more, and that's the problem you you should you should you cannot have a bill that helps a target that targets inflation. you're trying to minimize and to mitigate the the impact of inflation okay and at the same time you're saying you're hoping to achieve deficit reduction but you penalize it or you enforce but you you force another segment of society to pay more the society the segment of society. Who are capitalists? Who who control the factors of production, as we say? Who will ultimately pass on the costs and the services to the consumers who you are trying to protect, so that they will even have to pay less, and when they report their taxes at the end of the year, because now they have to pay more in in prices, so it means that they it means that the taxes that they have to pay will even be lower, so that you they will pay even less, so they'll pay 15% less because they have to pay 15% more in in in, in prices and this 15% more because that this is and that's what we're going to see so we I I am saying to you that this particular bill will not put a dent in any in our in in, 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 in our deficit issue in this country and we cannot have a bill it is nonsensical to have a bill like this where you try to minimize by protect one segment of society but you impose a cost on another segment of society when you know the two segments go hand in hand they work together the one percent and the 99 percent work together what you do to the one percent is going to ultimately affect the 99 percent so you have to be careful and you have to be strategic in terms of how you create a bill like this these are some of the this is what is lacking in congress this is the, the kind of critical thinking and this is what you have to guard against We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the episode. Now, um, some time ago, I act, and by the way, just, for, just a correction, the economy added actually 524,000 jobs, 524,000 jobs, and I'm checking the job report, 528 to be exact that 's according to the Bureau of labor and Statistics that the economy um, added last the July job report the u s added five hundred and twenty eight thousand new jobs as unemployment rate fell to three point five percent unemployment fell to three point five percent and um, and actually the 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 wall street the Wall street journal um, reported that um, that um, that um, that the US employers added a robust 528,000 jobs last month, helping the economy recoup the 22 million positions lost nearly, I mean, lost early in the pandemic, as hires clamored for workers, despite a slowdown in economic growth. So we know that there's a slowdown in economic growth. Um, Now, the job recovery took nearly two and a half years and included a stretch in the first half of the year when payrolls grew faster Than during any other post World War II period that also featured the start of an economic concentration, the unemployment rate dropped to 3.5 percent last month, a half a century low, also seen just before the pandemic in early 2020. Now, what what this report is not picking up, what they're not talking about in this Wall Street Journal report, and which was published um, a couple uh, days, a couple weeks um, on August fifth, 2022. Written by Gabriel T. What they're not talking, they're not looking at median incomes. Median incomes continue to fall. Median incomes continue to fall. Poverty continue to rise, um, and that's not what is. That's not what they, they're not picking up. That they're not talking about. That they're not looking at the car and the the, the, the fact. And I and I alluded to that earlier when I said to you that me, um that that the the. the while the economy picked up 28,000 jobs, it's really a drop in the bucket. And unemployment fell. A lot of people are not are no longer being captured by. And we already know how 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 data and how statistics work. Okay, after a while, after you have been in the labor market for a while, after a while, you're not counted in the labor market. Okay, you're no longer after a while, you're not counted in labor market. So the figures is also uh, the, the, the the figures are also. Not, not, not representative of what's really happening in the economy in terms of the number of people out of jobs. So, unemployment is captures people who are actively looking at jobs, who are who are actively engaged and no longer in the unemployment, or no longer who are no longer employed and they're looking for jobs, or and they're receiving unemployment, and so on and so forth. But people who have been unemployed for a very long time, for a very long time, who are not and who are not receiving unemployment benefits. They are not captured, really, within, this, within the statistics here, OK? People who the the underemployed and the unemployable, or those who have been out of the employment market or who, uh, for a long time. And the, the, the other issue that we have to talk about is incomes aren't rising. Incomes aren't rising. Incomes are not rising. We still have issues where the income inequality and the wage gap There's a big disparity. So we still have that. And as we talk about the economy, some time ago, um, uh, uh, Sheldon McKenzie, who is, uh, who is an analyst, a banker, and who studies the market closely. I had a discussion with him and um, he actually said, uh, I think on July 28th, he said, interesting day in the financial markets. The Fed meeting was held yesterday. And they raised interest rates by zero point seven five percent, zero point seven five percent points of seventy or seventy five basis points. Today, today, according to, 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 to um, according to Sheldon McKenzie, to, who is a, who is a vice president, who is a banker and a vice president at, at the U.S. At the, at U.S. Bank, he says today the report for GDP was released, and quarterly GDP was negative for the second consecutive quarter. Which technically makes that we are in a recession. The ISM, the CPI and the ECI, these are the manufacturing the, the manufacturing, purchasing power, consumer price, and importantly the employment cost indices will be released throughout the coming days, which will give us even more indication of the severity of the current financial downturn. And we actually got updated figures from that, which showed that the economy is slowing. And it's Okay, it really is slowing in terms of e- our economic growth. Although, although inflation, or un- sorry, unemployment is down to 3.5%. I mean, sorry. Sorry, I apologize. All the unemployment is down and inflation has slowed down a little bit. The rate, inflation is still high post-COVID, but the rate of inflation has slowed a little bit. Okay? So, However, the main issue here for everyday Americans is that the government, in all of its glory, pumped a lot of money into the economy to create jobs and boost the economy after the global recession during the pandemic. So you see the the resulting uh, um, empl- um, job figures. Now, with the Fed and the government, and the Fed and the, the Fed and the government's economic tightening, this was expected. However, according to Sheldon Mackenzie, my fear is that companies who received economic aid from the government during the pandemic are now looking to restructure and reduce workforce to improve operating profit margins. Now, this is towards the end of July, so we want to see what the job figures are going to look, look like in August. Now, most of the discussions that I have had, according to Mr. McKenzie, most of the discussions that he's had, with treasurers and chief financial officers, have been around managing operating profit margins, particularly cost of goods sold, during this inflationary environment. The companies trying to manage increasingly higher supplier, raw materials and operating costs, and reconciling by passing those costs down to end-user and consumers through higher product and service price. The gap between the cost realized by companies And the product selling price is the real challenge. And as, and you know, he had we alluded to this, and we were having this discussion in on July twenty eighth. And I just reported to you before the break that the that the Senate just passed a bill, an Inflation Reduction Act. And I'm saying to you that this cost, this that the this fifty, but and part of the act, part of the bill, requires. Or requires uh, those uh, millionaires and people who earn over four hundred thousand dollars a year, and those and corporations, they will now have to pay fifteen percent more taxes, and they can't find any wiggle room, yes, to prevent any any of this the extra cost that they now have to pay. I mean, in terms of the taxes, they can't they can evade any taxes, and they can't go around it in any way. So now they have to pay fifteen percent, and probably have to pay more than the fifteen percent because now they can't they can't evade. There's, okay, they have and they have given 124 billion dollars, which is draconian, 124 billion dollars, to enforce tax laws in the tax code, and to prevent any wiggle rooming around any of the new tax tax code and, or, or or the ones that are already enforced, which many companies are evading. But I'm saying to you that so this, any new cost that we have, and this is how companies operate in America: the cost is, is always passed down to the end user. Or to the consumer. And this is exactly what he alluded to here. The companies are trying to manage increasingly higher supply, raw material, and operating costs and, re- and reconciling by passing those costs down to end users and consumers through higher product and service price. The gap between the cost realized by companies and the product selling price is the real challenge. And so I'm telling you that this is going to affect, and, the, and actually they're predicting that it's going to drop the deficit the deficit will be reduced as a result of this because of the because of the this tax provision which now requires which is now going to co- which is which, which requires corporations to now pay 15% and i'm telling you that it's not going to reduce the deficit it's going to raise the deficit and secondly it is it is it's they're not going to because they're not going to get any more any more funds they're not going to get and who's going to pay for the, the this bill for some of the provisions and the and the expansions and so on for like med um the affordable care acting the caps they're putting on certain drugs and so on and so forth and they're oh, their ex- and oh and they're saying oh we're going to pass it on to the pharmacies they're going to pass it and then not only not only are they going to pass the, some of the costs of the pharmacies because they're going to cap some things to two thousand or thirty five dollars or two thousand dollars maybe some costs medical costs they are going to cap it and who's going to pay for the rest they said "Far you think pharmacies and and drug companies and 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 they're going to bear that cost. They're going to find a way to go around that cost. So what the what the what the government what they what this bill does is that oh they're going to also put a, they're going to prevent they put something in the bill that prevent companies from requiring individuals to pay more if now they have to know bear some of the costs. So now they are preventing them from from uh, from passing on the cost by also putting something in the bill. But that's as it relates to. The medical aspect of the provision, which pharmaceutical which companies now will have a problem with, because now they're putting this requirement in the bill that companies that pharmaceutical companies cannot so therefore now companies but so what companies are going to do they 're going to start dropping people and choose and choose who to, to who to and, and and find a way to create indirect costs and so on and so forth so so this is. So this is quite interesting. This is quite interesting. But this particular bill touches everything. It touches everything. It touches education. It touches science. Sorry, uh, it doesn't touch technology, science and technology. But we know that just previously, um, there is a bill that, um, that I think it was in, on July 27th, that, that the, a, a bill was passed. Sat, passed, science and technology bill 52 to develop the US competitiveness and to create jobs. Please remember that, that bill was passed on the, 26th, on the 26th of July. So, so let's see what's, what's gonna happen in the next coming days. Now, the Neoliberal podcast, we're gonna be doing a special with, um, with a, 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 a reverend that will be coming up soon. A gentleman who, who has had a very difficult life. And we know what's going on in the cities with black and brown people and with young men and young women in communities and with the opioid crisis and with the crime and violence and so on but we want to we, we're going to be interviewing a gentleman a pastor what what is his name again reverend reverend steve johnson, reverend steve johnson. we're going to be interviewing and he's the pastor of the bishop for what church I Can't with the name evangelistic uh, evangelistic church uh, in germantown right the corner that's the corner of do you know the, where's that church again located Anyway, but we're going to be interviewing this and you will hear some more about it. A po- he has a powerful testimony. Powerful story. And we am going to be meeting with him on Wednesday and I will be interviewing him and sharing his story, sharing his life and the work that he's doing in his community to help stop the violence and to bring about change in some of these communities. Because the communities, there is tremendous social decay and there's crime and violence and there's rising poverty. And people are angry. Young men are losing their way. And we're asking, where are the churches? Where are the religious institutions? Where are those things that help to provide purpose and hope for people? Our people are not finding those interested anymore and exciting. What can we do to recapture the attention of these young people as we help them to develop and to grow and to be responsible citizens and responsible young men and young women? There's so many changes happening in society. There's a lot of changes happening in society. And we have to come up with revolutionary ways and effective ways to deal with some of the issues. And as I will be getting ready to launch the next aspect of this, and I'll be teaching a new course at the Jamaica Theological Seminary called Theology Today. Theology Today. And, I'll have, and actually, I will, I will share. You will get a chance to hear some of the discussions and, some, and the presentations I have with these students and just remember, October ten to twelve, I will be speaking at the a- AGLSP conference, talking about neoliberalism, globalization, income inequality, poverty and resistance, and issues relating to power, power, privilege and status. And just so you know, so I did get it. It's the Salvation Temple Baptist Church. We will be interviewing the pastor and we'll be doing a story. That, is that the name of the church? Yes? Yes. Right. Um, here it is. Right. The, so that's, what we, that's where we're going to be. On Wednesday, interviewing um, this pastor and and um, and talking with some of his members and with and doing a story and a piece, looking at the work of this small church and how they're making impact in communities. Thank you for listening to the Around podcast. What we're we going to be doing next, we're going to be we had actually interviewed uh, two persons talking about what's going on in Philadelphia, and the question is what what's going on, what's wrong with Philadelphia, what's wrong with Chicago, what's wrong what's going on in cities. And as much as we're doing everything we can, and I said to you, I'm really upset, and, and I find upsetting this $124 billion that they're giving to the IRS to enforce codes, which, will, which I'm telling you, the IRS themselves have issued because there are people within the IRS. There are people that we have found out, people within the IRS. They are also responsible for some of the evasions because they work in the backseat to create problems in society and in communities. Okay. The people at the IRS, people who at, people at the IRS also need to be regulated or they need to supervise and look at what's going on at the IRS and the, and the agents and the people who are working at the IRS and how they're doing their jobs effectively. But that's what needs to happen. And the strings that are being pulled behind the scenes to give people tax returns that don't... That don't are not supposed to be getting tax returns, and it's, it's across the board. But there are people who need this $124 billion, but we're going to do it for administrative purposes, we're going to give it for administration, which doesn't, which ultimately will, if, if you're going to be, you if the so, so in a sense, the IRS, if the IRS is going to be spending. Thank you for listening to the podcast Coming up tomorrow We will continue with A podcast discussing What's wrong with Philadelphia And what's wrong with America With American cities Or what's wrong with people in societies We will be um, I will be interviewing I will be speaking or having a discussion With uh, Mr. Maurice Smith Who is a professional In Philadelphia Case management who works who's worked with in child youth and family services and he's also part of a large fraternal agency Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity a fraternal brother of mine as well and um, he has spent a lot of time um, working in communities working with the vulnerable population in Philadelphia and um, we're looking forward to having that discussion as we talk with him about what's wrong with Philadelphia and I also had an opportunity to talk with uh, one other gentleman about what's wrong with Philadelphia. And we're looking forward to, to that show tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, of course, we will be coming to you live. from. We will be interviewing live a video in, in terms of video podcast. We will be having a show for you. So um, we're looking forward to the, the interview with the pastor. as we talk about his life and his transformation and the difference he's making. When you hear his story, you will find it quite inspirational. You will find it quite amazing. And um, I'm looking forward to that. This is the Neoliberal podcast. Thank you for the new supporters. Some of you are supporting the show. We thank you for your support. And for those of us who are looking to support us, it's HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash anchor FM slash the neoliberal slash support. And we have been off the grid for a while, but we will be back with more exciting podcast episodes over the next couple of days and weeks. And also we will be um, pro- um, promoting some articles on the neoliberal dot com and rinaldo c com. And if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, please access Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance, which is available in all platforms all over the world. Thank you so much for, for, for subscribing, for listening. And please send us a feedback and share the show with your friends. What good.